On the block, on demand. Do you hear that? What is that? What is that? Yeah, what is that? The holder, Riley Dixon, and the kicker, Cole Murphy. Spot is down. The kick by Murphy is up and in. And orange uniforms pour out onto the field. Without Jerry McNamara, we would have won 10 games this year. Taramina steps up. He shoots. He scores! Matt Taramina in overtime. Syracuse wins 2-1. to one. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. The fields make me wanna. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Here is your host. Got a bad feeling about the Brent X. There it is, my friends. Welcome back. Welcome aboard. Either way. Oh, we're so glad you're here. Happy Monday. Yeah, I'm glad you're listening. But man, it. Uh, I love that extra hour of sleep, but now it's already dark. We're at that time of the year, man. Boom. Daylight savings time. We're right in the thick of it when it gets dark, like right now. Winter is coming. Which means there must be some Syracuse basketball in the air. The thing that uh, pulls us through the winter time. One last exhibition game tonight, then they'll uh, do it for real on Friday. We'll discuss that. We'll go on the blind side. A little more on Syracuse football here this hour. We'll uh, start our weekly chats with Jim Beheim later this week. Looking forward to that. Our weekly chat with uh, Dino Babers, as usual. Uh, Syracuse Athletic Director John Wildhack is going to join us this week. We heard from Emmy Award-winning filmmaker, uh, filmmaker pardon me, Rory Karp last hour, who did the ESPN 30 for 30 Ric Flair Nature Boy which is terrific, by the way. Don't have to be a wrestling fan to appreciate a great story. And I am a prime example of that. I'm not a big wrestling guy. I mean, I watched it back in the day, but have certainly not followed it in the last 20 years. But I was captivated by this movie. It was great. It uh, premieres tomorrow. So watch that. we got a couple of things in the works this week that you may hear. I don't want to spoil some other big fish in the pond that we may chat with. So we're glad you're here. It just sucks that it's dark already. Ah, hate that. All right. Now, I want to get into more of the Syracuse game. I want to go to the phones here, but I thought this was cool. I wanted to share a good story from a Syracuse perspective that came out of visiting Doe Campbell Stadium for this game. And it's not very long, so I want to read it to you here. I got an email from, let's give a shout out here for proper credit. I want to make sure I get the gentleman's name right, so bear with me for just a sec here as I... Teddy, I got this email from Teddy Conti, who said, Brent, I don't write, or pardon me, I don't see this written about much, and I think it deserves mentioning. My family visited Doe Campbell Stadium yesterday for the game. I got this email on Sunday. I have visited Georgia Tech, Greensboro Coliseum for basketball, Raymond James Stadium for football versus South Florida. Yesterday was the epitome of class on the part of Florida State. It started with parking as we offered a discount on a $30 spot because we were visiting. We were charged $20. On the walk to the stadium, every FSU fan was courteous and smiling, asking us to take it easy on them. Oh, well. When we got to the stadium, the attendants were very helpful, assisting us in navigating our way around. To top it all off, they led us to a visitor's gate with no line that the opposing team fans can enter through. Inside the stadium, the Southern charm continued. 
from the vendors to security to the fans. Everyone was gracious. We all had a great time, even with the loss, and we'll be visiting again. Just wanted to give everybody at Florida State a shout-out. That was from Teddy, and I put that up on Twitter today, and it got uh, it went viral, as the kids say. Got liked over, I think, 300 times last I looked from Florida State fans. They were sharing it and saying, look, you know, we're having a down year, but we're treating everybody right. I like to hear those stories. You know, it's sometimes a bigger headline. It's sexier to bring up conflict. Did you see that Miami fan that got dragged out, punched by a cop, a woman? Yeah, those generate headlines and get people talking, but I like to share those cool stories, too. To see a Syracuse fan treated that well, I'm sure there's more stories like that. But Teddy reached out, and I'm really glad to hear that. Unfortunately, didn't get to see Syracuse pull this one out. As uh, Steve Ishmael says here, another so close yet so far away game for the Orange. We know that we can come into these places and beat these guys. You know, we're just getting closer and closer, just inching up closer and closer every time we play away. And I feel like the mentality, we're just getting stronger, you know, just knowing that we can actually do this. And, you know, I feel like as time just continue to go on and on, uh, I feel like away games are going to become more like home games for for, for this upcoming team. Steve Ishmael, uh, 12 catches, 143 yards, becoming routine to see this guy put up huge numbers like that. He's the ACC Player of the Week for wide receivers. Irv Phillips, not a bad day himself, with 12 catches for 107 yards on the same thing, getting so close to pulling off these wins. I just feel like um, the whole season we haven't lost any game by I don't think maybe 10 points or whatever the case is, but I just think we we just come so far as a team, as a unit, you know, and it's just so so promise for the future. As Dino Babers said, at halftime after the game, we play to win. We play the game to win. You know, we had an opportunity to to try to kick a field goal right before the half. Uh, We decided not to. We wanted to go for the touchdown. We didn't get it. We left a lot of meat on the bone uh, offensively and defensively. That was the biggest piece of meat. They left on the bone. Had to take the points there. I love the aggressive mentality of Coach Babers. I love that he goes for it on fourth down. will generally keep a defense on its heels. But I think they conceded a little too much there. They did not play like. They did not put it out there at all times that they were the better team. And they were. And, you know, you had to recover from Eric Dungey being out. But once that was established on the road, I think you got to take the points where you can be. I think they got a little too alpha male aggressive there. Well, it would have been better to score a touchdown. We're coming at you. We're playing to win. It's halftime. Take the points. Come out in the second half and play that way. And look, they still had a kick at the end to tie it. Cole Murphy, unfortunately, missed it. Two of your last three games are at home. They still have every opportunity to do this, but that's the fourth game this year where you're so close yet so far away. And in a year with such a tough schedule, the Clemson win will stand out. The Clemson win is huge. The Clemson win is what keeps us all sane. But four other games where you say, man, they came so close. You'd rather say that than have your doors blown off and show you're not making progress and show that you got a long way to go. Syracuse took big strides this year, no matter what happens in the last three games. But I'll stand by what I said coming out of the bye and going into the bye week after they played Miami. you got to make a bowl game now. There's still a few teams fighting, scratching, and clawing for that sixth win in the ACC. Syracuse has certainly shown they're capable of it. Now they got to get it. And if they don't get a bowl game this year, I think it is fair to say you had a disappointing season, which is crazy to say considering the schedule and some things we said before the season began. But now I've seen what you're capable of, and what you're capable of is winning these games. And they came up just that short again.
Florida State would be a brand name win, but they were a better team than Florida State. Florida State has more talent. Florida State has more four and five star players, but Syracuse was the better team out there in that game. And I understand what happened with Dungy, and you got to factor that in. But once he came in, back on the field and showed he could play and showed he could lead that offense, you got to take advantage of that. And they didn't. So you got to be fair when you mark progress and say, look where they're going. You've also got to point out their faults and say, man, you got to close. How about Scooter and Jamesville? He's next up here at 437-7644. Scoot, what's up, man? That's Ben. Actually, actually, grandfather X Ben. If, uh, if you want to follow uh, Mike Hopkins' career, the, he's on the, uh, the Pac-12 network at 10 p.m. Friday night against Belmont. Oh, I'll be up for that, yeah. Woo. There you go. And, and actually, quirky networks, there's actually four channels are regional. So basically, I think this is going to be on a lot. they got the Washington, Washington State channel. And so basically, I, 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 it's, it's interesting how they do it. You know, so like I said, it's not one channel like the ACC's got one, but or Big Time's got one. They actually got four regional channels to, to divide up their their regions as far as the uh, the conference goes. So there'll be a lot of games in the sense where it could be kind of want to follow his career. Um, the the games itself, and it's almost like deja vu all, all over again because the, all four road games start out the same way. I mean, we never have led, but yet we're competitive. And I really thought the first quarter would be the biggest difference. And sure enough, we got down 14 to nothing, and then we have to scratch back. But the inconsistency is a strategy, actually. Man. In the Miami game, we played for field goals at the end of drives when we were in the pouring rain. Right. Where I thought it should be more aggressive. Now, all of a sudden, we have a shot to put three points on the board, and we get aggressive. But yet, in the LSU game, we're down 16. We scored a touchdown. We're not... We're not playing aggressive to go for two points, so we'd be down one score. We kick an extra point, so you gotta the read inconsistency the room. is a strategy. you got to read the situation. You can't make a blanket statement like, we don't kick field goals. And, you know, it's interesting because Dino cited the poor angle at the end of the half, and that's not an easy kick. And I'm seeing this uh, come across the old social media here in the last few minutes, Scooter. So they looked at the uh, field goal from the reverse angle, and now they're actually crediting Derwin James for blocking the kick. The, the last, the, the last kick, the last, the last field goal. And if you watch huh. it, it does kind of look like he got a piece of it. So that would be two block kicks in that game on Cole Murphy. So, you know, I don't think that changes any opinions. I still think you, you kick the ball at the end of the half and take the points and, and go with it because these close games come down to it, and Syracuse has been in so many close games. Yeah. you, you got to take what you can get. But, you know, look, two of the last three at home, not an easy run by any stretch. The way Wake Forest looked at Notre Dame, we know what Lamar Jackson can do at home, and Boston College is a much improved team. But I, I still hold the same opinion that I think these guys got to make a bowl game now. Well, I agree. I, 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 am, I am going six and six to begin the season, and of course we're going to maybe get it a different way with Clemson. But the, uh, the thing is, it's interesting is I thought the drive before the final drive. They took a lot of time off the clock, and, you know, Syracuse is supposed to be the, the fast, you know, the orange is the fast, fast. And they were taking, they were snapping the ball almost, well, almost with 10 seconds left to go on the, on the clock. I'm saying, this might backfire at the end of the game because we might need these seconds. And, you know, sure enough, we did score, but yet, you know, we, you know, instead of maybe in five minutes, then maybe, you know, be able to not have to kick the, the onside kick because it kicked off. And everything is, is that the, the game itself was sort of played the way I thought, I hope we could stop them because, they had 210 yards to offense Florida State. On three plays, they had 170 yards. So therefore, it's the big play. They weren't, you know, they were driving. The, I think they're one for 13 on third down. So theoretically, Syracuse's offense was more in control of the game than than Florida State's. And it's just, I just thought basically, if you look at the stats and you didn't know who won, you probably thought Syracuse won the game. 
Scoot, that's been the story all year. It was the story again. Now they got to get the W's, and no game left fits the description that the four almost games on the schedule do. Florida State, Miami, NC State, LSU, Wake Forest, Louisville, and Boston College are all games that Syracuse is capable of winning, even Louisville. I mean, Lamar Jackson does Lamar Jackson things, but that's a team whose defense has just been a sieve this year, and Syracuse has every opportunity to win that game even on the road. So can I just say this, though, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because I just don't like to spend a lot of time on referees and and how they affect games, but my God, did those refs blow it. First of all, Cam Akers, 67-yard touchdown, blatant holding. Just blatant, how did you miss that holds on that run? How about when Florida State, on a fourth and one call in the fourth quarter, was clearly in the neutral zone? I mean, how do you miss Florida State being offsides in that spot? That was as routine a call as it gets. No flag. Akers, 54-yard touchdown run. I don't want to take anything away from Cam Akers because that kid's got a bright future and they're going to have a headache dealing with him over the next few years. He's a terrific player. Syracuse could not tackle in the first half. Tackling got better in the second half of that game. But they missed another holding call. How about after... So there was an incompletion, and then Alton Robinson, who had a fantastic game for Syracuse, called for roughing. That was a routine tackle. Timing was right. It was a hard hit on uh, James Blackman, the Florida State quarterback, but that was not roughing. And I'm just I'm leaving out a few here. I don't want to list them all because I'll just get more aggravated. But I understand that refs are flawed. I understand that they're not going to get it right every time. And to be fair here, Syracuse only had two penalties. That's the least they've had this year, so that's the trade-off, I guess. But the ones they did call stand out more versus what they didn't call. What they didn't call, to me, is just inexcusable. And people say, well, what happens? And Well, Dino has explained this to me and has said this a couple of times this year without you know, getting over the line of getting fined, and that is they submit these calls to the league. There is a pl- uh, there is a process. There, I don't know what kind of discipline there is. I don't know what happens to these officials that miss this stuff, but for those that say, oh, nothing happens, well, these things do get reviewed by the league, and there was a whole reel of things that got sent to the ACC based on that game. What it does in terms of going forward and making the right call Well, we're seeing the results of it. This is like the third or fourth time this year. But there were several, there were scoring plays affected by this. There were fourth and ones, I mean, critical downs where they're not doing their job and and they're not reviewable either. Very frustrating. We'll take a break on that note. Come back with more. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Sure is, voice man. It is presented by Berta Toyota. Welcome back. How are you? Happy Monday. How's your weekend? Everything good? Here you roll? Well, we usually do this a little bit later on this hour, but since we're flipping the script and we've got a guest coming up, what do you say you uh, hit me with that fancy open? Let's do some hot takes now, shall we? We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot. 
Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for Hot Takes on the Block. All right, now, I've got to admit, I'm not much of an NBA watcher this time of the year. I'm kind of engrossed in football and, and some other things, but I did happen to catch this, and I was wondering about it myself. I guess if you really Zapruder film the replay, you can call a flagrant two on this, but did you see the play last night? So Oklahoma City, Carmelo Anthony, who, by the way, early on is leading the Thunder in scoring, and I realize how early we are in the NBA season here, but he was ejected following a review. So he goes up, kind of an and-one play on uh, Joseph Nurkic from Portland. He elevates, double clutches, makes contact with Nurkic's chin with his elbow. So they went to the replay to... They actually called the foul on Nurkic first. But then when they saw, it was a flagrant two. Called when a play is seen to be, quote, unnecessary and excessive contact, which is what the officials viewed Carmelo Anthony's play to be. Now, I think if you watch that, you're just seeing a guy who's trying to draw a foul, routine, drive to the basket kind of and one play. Said Billy Donovan. Head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder. I've never in the history of the game (laughs) seen a guy get an and-one play and get ejected from the game. That's probably something you've got to talk to the league about. Uh, Carmelo taking the high road afterwards. I don't have no thoughts. I don't have anything to say about that play. I think the league could do what's right in in, in looking at it and making a decision. I thought it was a wrong call to make, to be honest with you, but, you know, just take it. They called it. Ain't, ain't, no, ain't no need to kind of overreact to it. I'm pretty sure every, a lot of people seen it. People seen it. People saw it. Pretty sure people paid it in favor of uh, the way that I think. So we'll see what happens. <clears throat> it was definitely an overreaction. That's what I saw. I saw an overreaction, but it's also a lesson about replay and get the call right. And sometimes when the ref gets the benefit of replay, he does that little screen. He's like, oh, well, guess what I found? The right call. If you, again, if you go by letter of the law, really Zapruder filmed that thing, they probably made the right call, but just like holding in the NFL and certain things you can just kind of let slide, that's probably one that they could have let slide. That's hot. So now they've made a thing out of a thing that shouldn't be such a big thing. This is the thing that I really enjoyed. So let's listen to uh, two audio bites here. First, you'll hear Tony Romo, who went back to Dallas, called the Chiefs-Cowboys game, took a shot at Deion Sanders fellow uh, CBS slash NFL Network analyst, and then uh, Dion fired back. So let's take a listen and then see if you're on Team Tony or Team Dion here. Good out there at the corner off coverage, but in tackling? Not his thing. No, and he makes Dion Sanders look good at tackling sometimes. See, Tony, I, I tried my best to take the high road, but I don't, I don't know the address to the high road. So I got to come at you, man. You, 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 ten years as a starter, you're two and four. In the playoffs, you ain't won nothing. <laughs> I tried to bury the hatchet. Both of us work for CBS. I went and shook your hand and say, Tony, you're doing a great job this year. I thought that would be it. But nevertheless, you keep on shooting at me. <laughs> Tony, what's going on, man? I got a gold jacket that I didn't buy. <laughs> Dak says hi. <laughs> and bye. Tony, leave me alone, man. I got a lot of ammunition, man. How many interceptions? How many interceptions? 19 and 2012, come on, man. You threw to everybody but me. <laughs> Tony, come on, man. You know you never won the big one. You know you never won the big one. 
So stop, man. Leave me alone. I tried to take the high roll, but I don't know the address. I got to admit, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good response on Dion's part. Now, Tony Romo's not wrong. Deion Sanders was allergic to tackling. However, Deion Sanders is one of the greatest cover corners in the history of the game. He does have that gold jacket he didn't buy. He did help win teams, win Super Bowls, and he's Deion Sanders, man. Romo is so good at what he does, we tend to brush over the fact that he did mostly fail in the postseason, and that will be his legacy as a quarterback. Doesn't mean he's wrong about what he pointed out, and I love the fact that that Tony Romo is willing to do that. See, he is more willing as somebody who just walked off the field to make comments like that more than almost any analyst out there. John Gruden never does it. Certain guys that think they might dip their toe back into the sport in some way are hesitant to do it. Romo will fire at you, and I like that. That's what an analyst is there to do. He is the best one working in football already, and he's only done half an NFL season. There's a pretty good burn, though, from Dion. That's hot. Right? Mess with the bull, you get the horns. I kind of like that. Not fond of Dion Sanders most of the time, but you got to admit, that was pretty good. So here we are halfway through the NFL season, and where would you put the NFL Super Bowl odds at this point? It's pretty much the Eagles and the Patriots, right, that are favored in each, the NFC and the AFC. Now, this is where being a homer pays off. If you're like me... And before the season, you're always tempted to put money on your favorite team. Not that I bet on sports for entertainment purposes only. Just because. I remember a story once of how Phil Mickelson hit the Baltimore Ravens to win the Super Bowl. And they were like 150 to 1 or something ridiculous before that season. It's always worth it if you got a buddy in Vegas or something. And I get these texts occasionally. Friends of mine go to Vegas like, hey man, got the bills 90 to 1. You want me to just put just a little down on that for you? And I've been tempted to do it. If you're an Eagles fan, in the offseason, you had the Eagles as high as 65-1 to to get to the Super Bowl. It's now 4-1 to at the Westgate Superbook. And that's only behind the Patriots at 7-2. to The Eagles have won seven in a row. They are clearly separating themselves from anybody that considers themselves a contender in the NFC. They're 2-1 and to win the conference. And they're overwhelmingly minus 1,200 favorites in the NFC East. They decimated the Denver Broncos yesterday. So you got to knock on wood. The only thing that could prevent this at this point is injury. Carson Wentz, I think I would give the MVP to over Alex Smith. Third game with more than four touchdowns, four or more touchdowns in a game, pardon me. You got the Eagles at 65-1, to man. You are sitting on a big old winner if they can carry this on and get to the Super Bowl. And That's hot. Barring injury. They've got to be the prohibitive favorites in the NBC, in the NFC to do it. Uh, one team that has fallen off a cliff in the NFC, right in that division, of course, is the football giants. We will discuss benching Eli Manning, and that is the proper course of action for that team coming up. We're going to take a break right now, though. We are scheduled to be joined by Rory Karp coming up, the director of the new ESPN 30 for 30 Nature Boy. The Ric Flair story. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to hearing from you. More Syracuse football talk. We'll go on the blind side. Final SU Hoops exhibition tonight. We've got a lot more to do here on the block. You stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.